And she was like, what's old school to you, King Solomon? <laughs> to another episode of Geek Chew, a podcast where we chew over the geeky things that we love. I'm Eamon. And I'm Charlene. And our intro music is by my brother Ryan. And I guess this week our, our main thing is we're going to talk about the X-Men universe reboot that Jonathan Hickman did last year. And um, At the end of last year. So I think the last issue came out in October. So I guess since now it's October again. It's been a year. I keep thinking. Yeah, so it's probably been in almost two years since it started, maybe. I don't know. I just, my timeline is so weird. I'm thinking it's the beginning of 2020 right now. Yeah. Because time has and gone all haywire. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but we also have uh, kind of done a lot of getting ready for Halloween movie watching. And Tegan has been very into that. And Yeah, kind she of is every year. When like, we don't put a Halloween movie on at night. Yeah. And, uh. You missed it last year, but like every night was a Halloween movie night. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it's like a new development. So you you lived through it once. And this is my first my first go. Yeah, uh, with her, you kind of <laughs> have to like anything that you want to watch. You have to like spin it as a Halloween yeah. thing yeah. and be like, "This is Halloweeny." <laughs> like like seven. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> we'll get into that a little later, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> uh, totally worked though. Yep. Uh, I don't know. We, I think I wanted to start off with some of this Spider-Man three news that is, uh, kind of circulating because I'm like desperately, viscerally missing the MCU. It's like in my bones, right? I know. <laughs> I kind of don't, new content. I don't want to go to like really see anything else. Like there's nothing new that's coming out. We will be one. There's just no content that they're putting in theaters. And so it's just kind of like. I'm feeling kind of apathetic about the movie going experience right now. Without Marvel? Well, yeah. It is the most exciting part of the last 10 years for us, I think. Yeah. I mean, well, because as a family, it's like, like, I definitely get excited about going to see other things, but like as a family, we are most excited about those movies because like, you know. This is what our kids grew up with. It's just exciting. So I don't know. There's just like, Doctor Strange has been cast for the new Tom Holland Spider-Man movie. Not cast, but, you know, Benedict Cumberbatch will be in it as Doctor Strange. And I think it'll just be interesting to see how it's how the MCU is going to handle the whole multiverse thing that's coming up, right? Because that's the new Doctor Strange movie is the multiverse of madness. And I think the WandaVision series is going to have a lot to do with that. I'm really excited for WandaVision. When's that come out? I don't know. I think it's soon. Like, it's the only thing that's going to come out this year. And that's to Disney Plus, right? Yeah. I think it's a six-part miniseries. I'm just so excited. It looks amazing. And they have Electro coming back for this movie from the past, the other Spider-Man series with Andrew Garfield, like Spider-Man 2, The Amazing Spider-Man 2. And I don't I think it says a lot about that movie that we don't own it. Right. (laughs) We don't even remember really how that all kind of resolved. Right. But so are they bringing him back as like... I guess just reintroducing, but using the same actor. Yeah, I think so. Okay, so the other stuff he, obviously just didn't happen. I think he said he's not going to be blue this time. 
<laughs> that I would, think be. would be. I think is a good choice. Yeah, yeah. But uh, and then there's also like Spider Verse rumors about having Andrew Garfield or Tobey Maguire, and you know, yeah. But that's just rumors, I think. So um, really, yeah, it's very exciting. It's all very exciting. Yeah. I don't know. Besides that, we did pick our new book club book, Children of Blood and Bone. Yes. By Tommy Adeyemi. That's a good good job. Thanks. That's good. <laughs> I didn't even Google a pronunciation. I just took my shot. And uh, I mean, I would have said Tommy, said it's right. but what did I say? Tommy. Oh, uh, but it's yeah. okay. I mean, I don't know. I'm not. I'm just saying what <laughs> you, I would you don't have know, said. But you said I did a good job. Well, no, because yeah, you did a good job. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but so yeah, that's our, our new book club book. It's a, a, a YA. YA book. Yeah, I guess they made a big deal about. Um, when she signed the contract for the book, because it was one of those seven-figure, like, and it's her first book, right? As far as I know. And it's part of a trilogy. Right, which I didn't actually know until I, but I've just been, it's popped up on so many lists of books that are, you know, that I look to, to try to decide what I want to read next. And it's popped up so many times. And then I also thought that maybe it would be, a good choice because maybe Tegan would read along with us, uh, yeah, and she yeah. was like hard pass. Yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> anything I suggest is even just... even with an offer to come on our amazing podcast, <laughs> she declined. <laughs> but I just think I think what I need to do is have somebody else recommend that Tegan read it because I've been like asking her yeah, like yeah, whenever we should, she's um, have Chris Evans tweet a video recommending it to her. <laughs> I'm just not sure what level we're looking at here. But. I don't know. I have her history teacher suggest. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's even, uh, that's, well, probably not more effective, but also a good idea. Yeah. No, I think it would she, be the most effective. About the fucking history teacher. <laughs> what does this dude look like? Like, she loves this guy. She thinks he's so hilarious, and she comes home with these stories, and I'm like, I guess that's funny. Yes. If you're in eighth grade, I don't know. <laughs> I guess you have to have a special kind of humor to reach the 13 year old. Yeah. Um, I mean, I thought we had that, but I mean, well, I thought our 13 year old. Yeah. In a good way. Yes. With speaking us. Of which, she laughs with us. <laughs> she also like, like stops and pauses and like takes note of anything that we say that she thinks is funny. Yeah. That was hilarious. Yeah. But she stops, but it's also when it's like related to her. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's the only thing she cares about. Yeah. <laughs> um, what did she say the other day about old school? What, what were you guys talking about? And she was like, what's old school to you, King Solomon? <laughs> <laughs> She's a fucking jerk. <laughs> what, what were you guys talking about? I don't remember. But that was uncalled for. <laughs> you, uh, you were like, that's not old school. And she was like, well, it's old school to me. Yeah. What's old school to you, King Solomon? <laughs> Anyway, back to the book. Sorry, it's so funny. I mean, I don't have a lot on the book. I just have the uh, the author sold it as African Last Airbender and um, Black Panther with Magic. So, yeah, it's pretty cool. Yeah. Uh, I have started. You started it? Yeah, I started it. I think that if this were to become like a, a movie, it's in work. Yeah. It it is. Yeah. Uh, well, I think it'll be an important um, book for you know, especially for underrepresented people. Yeah, I'm not sure what the release date is or where they're at in well, production, but that's all up in the air now so. And, yeah, it's true. so hopefully we can get through that i don't think it's super long nya is usually like a quicker read cause yeah mm-hmm. pretty easy <laughs> yeah <laughs> anyway <laughs> but i also just 
did a really quick binge through um, a YA book that was really good. Oh, yeah, yeah, the one you listened to. On audiobook. So I was just not really feeling anything and like as far as like content and going through podcasts and stuff. So I went through um, the Libby app to because I'm connected to the library. My I have a digital library card, and, you know, um, and I just look through available titles. Um, and so I, I borrowed, uh, lost and found by Orson Scott card. And I really loved it. And I mean, I think it would be really cool if you also read it, but you probably won't. And it's not like so important that you, I just wish you could like have the knowledge of, yeah. of having read it without having to take the time to do it. And what I really love about YA is that it can kind of tackle some of the bigger things going on in the world. And it doesn't always, but I, in a way that's like not heavy, but also like has higher stakes. And um, this book just like it went in a really surprising way. I didn't read anything like a synopsis or anything. I just was like, you know, okay, I recognize that author and this book is available for me to, to read right now. And it's not long. So you had read other things by this author? No, I just recognized the oh, name. Okay. Yeah. And it's just like a really good story about friendship. And, um, and then there's other like really bigger picture stuff going on, like, uh, human trafficking, um, and child abduction and like just stuff. And then there's yeah, sort of, heavy enough. yeah. <laughs> um, and, but then there's also, I mean, not really magic cause they like kind of go out of their way to like say like, no, not magic, but like there's like an element of sort of the supernatural kind of um they have they call micro powers so like not superpowers but you know just like little things that seem like they might be useless but that end up helping with the the greater story it was really good and the characters are really lovely and like real people yeah i did read the synopsis after you uh, said how much you were enjoying it and it it did sound sounded like a good one but uh yeah i don't know if i'll actually get around to it yeah no I mean, if you want, you can pick my brain about what happens later. No. But that's probably not going to happen. We're not just going <laughs> to sit and be like, let me tell you everything that happens in this story. You can do the play-by-play. But, yeah, so that's what I did this week. Yeah, it's been a, a little while since we recorded it. Longer than it had been. Um, we had been pretty in, good about yeah, it. Yeah, in recent recent memory, I guess. <laughs> Recently, I think that would probably just cover it. <laughs> but we did watch Enola Holmes on Netflix semi recently. Came out a couple weeks. Yeah, we ago, watched it like I don't know, day after, two days after it, it dropped. Yeah, so it was based on a another YA series of novels. This one by Nancy Springer, and it's Sherlock Holmes' little sister, uh, played by Millie Bobby Brown. Um, I don't know. I, I I thought the movie was fun. You know, I thought it was delightful. Yes, it was problematic, but I feel like as far as its target audience goes, it was a a good watch. Yeah, and I think Tegan also really liked it because it made her well. She go never back and finished watch. it. She never finished it. Remember, something I, happened on her phone, and she left. Oh, what a brat! Sure, she didn't finish it just later. She said she herself. would. I'll just watch the rest tomorrow. Because she started watching the BBC Sherlock after that, I assumed that that was there was a connection there. I think she doesn't remember that she hasn't finished it, <sighs> which is you know, and then she'll blame <laughs> that on her ADHD. I, I like the <laughs> I like the fourth wall 
groundbreaking narrative device that they used. And yeah, I think I read somewhere that the director also directed some of Fleabag stuff, which is kind of uses the same thing. Oh, okay. Well, that makes sense. And I do like, yeah, um, I like how it's um, so casual in there that, you know what I mean? Like it's, it's done in more of a Fleabag way than it is like in the Deadpool universe way. Yeah, right? yeah, that's good. So, you kind of reference how it's a little problematic, but they do also kind of, I think, go out of their way to make it kind of empower, have an empowering message too, right? It's a lot about the suffragist movement with her mom when she disappears. Yeah. I mean, the things that are problematic for me are like some of just like the, the storyline stuff, it kind of goes off in like a wild directions that kind of don't make any sense. And you're like, how are these, how is this happening? (laughs) You know, because if the mom doesn't want to be found, but she's also leaving clues to like how to find her. That's just, that's a little problematic, right? So, um, yeah, I don't know. I did um, really like the cast. I, Helen Bottom Carter is the mom who's good and everything. Yeah. Uh, very strange choice of Henry Cavill for Sherlock Holmes. Yeah, that's, fine. Yeah, because Sherlock is supposed to be sort of like a wiry, very... Um, Caustic, too, which yeah. I, th- I think... So I was reading that about the lawsuit from the Conan Doyle estate. Yes. And how they're... Uh, Basically, the warmth of the Sherlock character kind of doesn't really show itself in the literature until the last 10 Sherlock stories that are right, which are not in the public domain. And so, yeah, but I mean, also, he's he is very warm in this. Like he's not it's not Sherlock Holmes who as we know him. Right. Definitely not Benedict Cumberbatch Sherlock Holmes. Right. Or any other version of Sherlock Holmes that we've ever really seen. Right. But this version fit this story, I thought. Yes, and, I agree. You know, Mycroft is kind of a dill hole. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So he fills fills that part a little bit better. And um, I don't know. I, I just, I liked it and I thought it was it was definitely I worth did, a watch. Yeah, I think Delightful would be And we'll see if they the, the make any more. Um, they definitely left it open for that. Yes. Well, I mean, it's a whole series, right? So they could probably pull from any yeah. of those stories. Anyway, I think we can probably move on and, and talk about some of our October uh, movies that we kind of referenced early earlier. Well, I guess they're not all movies because we did watch the first episode of the haunting of Bly Manor. Yes. Which is the Netflix series. Kind of the, it's already a little terrifying, right? Which yeah, first episode gives you the good. spooky feels. Yeah. yeah. I'm looking forward to, to finishing the rest of it. And I mean, it's kind of, um, what do they call it? Uh, because it's like, uh, the second season to the, the series, the first, uh, season was the haunting of Hill house. Um, anthology, is that what you call it? Where you kind of tell a different story and use a lot of the same actors. Right. I think uh, so. It's kind of like how, um, like an American horror story works. Yeah. 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 So I don't know. Not a whole lot to say about it right now, I guess, but really great intro to the characters and the story and, uh, you know, a fair bit of mystery about what's happening. So looking forward to watching more. Yeah, me too. Um, I watched the omen with Tegan she gave me kind of a hard time because she was going through movies, like Halloween movies and other movies, just what's on stars. And she was like, Oh, they have this and oh, they have this. And then I got really excited. Cause I was like, is that the original omen? Blah, blah. I got, and she, then she goes, is that the original pirates in the Caribbean? <laughs> I'm, like, Shut up. Like, I'm allowed to get excited too. But, yeah. Boy, we got a lot of Tegan stories, she's, I guess. She's well, a real she's handful. Sassy. Well, <laughs> she's without sassy. Courtney here, she's, she's also hilarious. So. Yeah. Without Courtney here, she spends a lot more time investing 
in us as opposed to commun- now that he's home this weekend, she hasn't talked to us. Like, <laughs> <laughs> so. uh, what else? The other terrifying TV show that we watched was the last week's episode of Lovecraft Country. Yeah, that was terrifying. Which was uh, really, I mean, the series is just so good. Yeah. It just keeps getting better and better and the world keeps getting a little more fine tuned, I think. And the little girl gets cursed in this one. These two terrifying, absolutely terrifying little girls. Um, yeah. From the cover of uncle Tom's cabin. Yeah. I think. Uh, <laughs> except, you know, even more disturbing. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> and they have these, just the choreographed moves of like how they kind of hunt her. Yeah. It's weird. Cause you know, they're, they obviously cast like children who are dancers. Right. And so like, their body movements are really per- like that. They picked some yeah. talented children to yes. play those creepy, creepy. Scary as fuck. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they also, you know, speaking of MCU stuff, I don't know, quick tangent, they said, I guess they haven't technically announced it because he's kind of cagey when it comes up, but Jonathan majors who plays Atticus in Lovecraft country is reportedly cast in the new Ant-Man movie as Kang the Conqueror. Oh, really? Yeah. Who I didn't know who that I looked it up on off the. I don't know who that is either. I just assumed that I would figure it out later. (laughs) Well, (laughs) by later, you mean right now, because I copied and pasted this paragraph off of (laughs) comicbook.com. But it says his real name is Nathaniel Richards, and he's a villain from the future, uh, suspected to be a descendant of Mr. Fantastic himself from the 40th century. Oh. So a lot of. uh, Who's Mr. Fantastic? Uh, the Fantastic Four. That's what I thought, yeah. but I just like they don't call him that anymore. They just call him Reed Richards, right? Yeah, but yeah. So we'll see. We'll see how he figures into that and in the Eternals, which you know I think the Marvel universe is about to take a huge leap into a lot more time travel <laughs> than we saw in Endgame. Yeah, and uh, yeah, it's very exciting. Oh, and then they they announced who's going to be uh, playing Ms. Marvel. Oh yeah, yeah, kind of a. Um, uncredited or she's unknown. They just call her newcomer. Yeah. Um, Uh, If she's done anything, she hasn't done anything where she's been sort of in the forefront of, of any. Yeah. Yeah. Young. I mean, is she Pakistani? Does she? Yeah, I believe so. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, I didn't know that. Or I guess I did. It's just tough to track it all, I guess. But Miss Marvel is going to be a Disney plus show. Yes. And she's also going to show up in the movies. Well, and I think it's good to introduce a new character like this that, I mean, is really only known by comic book readers because she's never been in any other content, right? And so, and she's new. She's a completely new character within the last, when did, when did we, when did that drop? Five years ago? Uh, yeah, probably, I don't know, maybe a little bit more than that. Yeah, while well, we, we lived have, in Texas. I know we have the first issue, which so. is one of those comics we need to get framed. <laughs> right. <laughs> we um, really did love that G. Willow Wilson Adrian Alfona run. Yeah, I mean it was hilarious and it was I mean, I think we talked about it when I'm sure we did. when we yeah. when we read it. But um, you know, it's a new character. It's a person of color. It's um someone who is of Muslim faith who, you know, that's we're living in a weird place in our country right now. So, um and I mean she's essentially unknown unless unless you're like keeping up with actual comic books. Um, and so I think introducing her to Disney plus is a good way to sort of 
like feed her into the American consciousness yeah, also and then introduce it. her into a movie where people are like, Oh, that's that person. And then they can rather than She's be also, like, who I the hell is that? The lead yeah. character in that new Avengers game that just came out. Um, yes, 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 yes. So yes. they're, they're definitely uh, trying to raise awareness of her as a character, I think. And, I mean, she's extremely popular for the people that do know her. And and she makes that. I'm looking forward to it. There's um, a cartoon that I just, like, watched one episode of, Ghost Spider, on Disney+, Plus, where her character is in that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, another MCU tangent, but we're actually. Yeah. <laughs> we, we did watch more. Um, well, one of the Halloween movies we watched, quote unquote, was Seven, which was fun to to watch with T. And because I remember when I first watched it with Courtney, you get to the end, he's like, "That's what this is from." Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it was funny to see her reaction, and she was like, "Is that where this comes from? <laughs> the, what's in the box?" Or there? are they like pulling it from yeah. where it comes from? <laughs> That'd be such a strange reference to put into this movie from something else. Right. <laughs> uh, I just, I thought that was funny. But, yeah. I mean, she knows it from what new girl. Do they do like a I what's think in the so. box thing? Maybe. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we say it all the time also yeah. just around the house. Yeah. Whenever, just whenever we can fit it in. And anytime there's a box. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, but we are kind of like on a, a David Fincher kick. I think mostly because of me and they had like a David Fincher mm-hmm. week or month or whatever at the ringer. So they're talking about lots of those movies. And, uh, we watched gone girl with the commentary from David Fincher, which was pretty entertaining. It was. And he also has a new movie coming out later this year called mank, which I just watched. Is it actually for. coming out later this year? Because this year's almost over and nothing is coming out. I know. I, the, the most recent thing I read was that it is going to have like a small theatrical release in November and then, because it's a Netflix movie and it's going to drop on the 4th of December to Netflix. And I think that's still the plan, which is odd because I thought my impression uh, of when movies do that is they put it in those limited theater releases to make it eligible for the Oscars. Right. And the Oscars have changed the rules for the year saying that like even streaming movies are um, eligible because of COVID-19. The pandemic. So, so uh, well, maybe they just want to do a limited release to see if they can make a little more cash. Yeah. I mean, I mean it's, yes. I mean, everybody interesting, uh, yeah. interesting gambit, I guess, because it seems like that's not, um, how movies are performing these days. Yeah. And, uh, I don't know. We'll, and we'll see, I guess it, I mean, it looks pretty good. It's like black and white 1930s Hollywood. Gary Oldman plays, uh, this Mankiewicz guy who uh, wrote the screenplay for citizen Kane. Oh, uh, really? But, uh, yeah, looks, looks good. And, uh, I, don't really have anything else to say about any of that. Gone Girl's a good movie. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we watched Hubie Halloween. Right. So this is ridiculous. Ridiculously awesome. Yeah, I liked it. It was fun. <laughs> I mean, you also have to know what you're getting into when you're watching a, a Happy Madison out of Sandler movie, right? Like, you know, it's going to be just over the top, corny, campy, like silly and I mean, like it was just ridiculous, but it was really fun. Yeah. And I think it was extra fun for us. Yeah. It's been a, it's been a while since I watched an Adam Sandler movie. Yeah. Um, but you know, this one was, you were excited, especially, I didn't know this until you told me, but. Oh, that it was filmed in our hometown. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so lots of Marblehead in the, uh, right in the movie, lots of Marblehead portrayed as being Salem, which happens a lot. I mean, yes. that, the same thing happened in Hocus Pocus and I, I'm, I think that there's probably two reasons for that. One is probably very expensive to film in Salem because it's Salem. 
Um, but also, also because, <laughs> you know, if you're wanting a movie that portrays Salem as sort of like an idyllic New England town, like a colonial, how, not gonna you're not going to get that in Salem. <laughs> and so Marblehead, one town over, and, you know, is that. Yeah, beautiful. Beautiful place. And it's just exciting to like. To see that stuff. To see everything, you know, uh, like especially the the shots that are, you know, the, or the rooftop shots of, of the whole town. And I'm like, oh, I miss walking those streets like every day. I mean, and it just felt familiar and like home. And then there were even like um, little bits of, uh, you know, where you catch people that we grew up with, like who are extras in the background. And um, it was just really neat. Yeah. It's really I fun. thought the movie was uh, just kind of fun and entertaining, and, and it's just a, a warm kind of story. And yeah, um, had this really great running bit about this Swiss the Army thermos, thermos <laughs> that he that he made um, that does just everything. It's I can see how uh, somebody might not enjoy it, but I think tons of people obviously do. I mean, right? They paid Adam Sandler uh, all that money to make movies for Netflix for a reason. Yeah, and. Uh, I don't know. This was a good one. Yeah, it was good. And it really was just like very warm. Yeah. So, uh, uh, the only other movie I had on here was psycho, which we, yes. Uh, finally watched last night, uh, at home. It's the 60th anniversary. It's in movie theaters and we were going to go see it in the theater today. And, uh, it was already sold out, which right. is surprising. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I mean, I, I mean, was surprised. They have it playing in one of the smaller yeah. theaters, which one is also kind of, you know um but we need the big dolby experience or just no thanks <laughs> no but also because of like you know the germiness of of the smaller room yeah. i mean even though that's still like a huge room because it's a theater but um you know uh, so the choices were to either separate or sit on the front row and we just said it wasn't worth it so yeah and i just i have a lot of these movies that are just big gaps in my movie knowledge that i just haven't watched and Psycho was one of them. Obviously, I knew basically the whole story, uh, but it was still really kind of a, a different experience to sit through it and watch it front to back. Right, because right. I've seen like scenes. Yeah. Like, I've definitely watched scenes from this yeah. movie. And I don't know, uh, when I'm listening to things like the Big Picture podcast and when they frequently are like, if you haven't seen this movie, why are you listening to this podcast? And a lot of times I feel personally attacked. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, you know, you gotta, uh, weigh how you're going to spend your time and you just make it to these things eventually. Right. But, uh, <laughs> and again, this, this movie glued Tegan to the TV. It was actually super fun to watch it with her Yeah. Um, because it's not easy to do. Like she's, I mean, like you said, Enola Holmes, something happened on her phone. She wants to go talk to her friend. She's like, I'll see you guys later. Right. Um, but she sat through the whole movie and was very engaged and asking questions and, theorizing about what was going on yeah was she was fun. like spot on too it was know, wicked it was annoying. annoying and she was pissed that we didn't tell her she was right and i'm like you wanted me to ruin the movie for you <laughs> so Jerk. she was like i bet he's just dressed up as his mom and i, I bet she, and she's like i bet he stuffed his mom and he's and she's dead and i'm like oh my god what the hell <laughs> especially because she was like oh is this that movie where it's like ring, ring, <laughs> like so she's like really no knowledge of what happens in this movie because again it was like oh is this what that's from so yeah, she, she said that right in the beginning when the the score started over she's the very opening credits. good about the score stuff just like you are where i don't recognize scores 
but she, like music for her. You remember, she got pissed at me for being when I was like, who's John Williams? Yeah. <laughs> and she was like, how are you, my mother? And I'm like, I'm sorry. I don't I don't like put those things in my brain and connect them. I just realized that I called Tegan a jerk again. That might've been the second or third time on this podcast. So I'll, <laughs> well, I'll stop doing that. Well, here's the thing. Sometimes she, she is be. a jerk. Yeah. Like she is, but that, that's also part of how she's amazing. Right. right? She's like, um, so that's how her humor works sometimes. It is. To make There's, an omelet, you got to break a few eggs. Yeah. Well, she's hilarious. And, and it's our kind, like, I mean, we've groomed her to be this jerk. Like, that's who we've made her. So it's our fault. Success. And um, now we bear the brunt of that. So I'm okay with it. Yeah. I mean, she's not a jerk to other people. Just right. us. <laughs> so I guess that's all I had for, for that. I just, I enjoyed it. I, yeah. I'm I want to watch more Hitchcock movies. Yeah, what are we going to watch? I wonder what we should watch this evening. Oh, come up with something. Yeah. So I guess we'll move on to the X-Men book that we read. Yeah. Um, this book made me feel stupid. <laughs> <laughs> it's definitely like a big galaxy brain, lots of big ideas kind of shoved into this book. It's, I, yes. I mean, I just, I really wanted um, to be in on this kind of new, new version of the X-Men so the last time I went to the comic book store, I got the collected edition of the House of X, Powers of X series that Jonathan Hickman wrote to kind of kickstart this, this version of the universe. And it was like $45, which was kind of expensive, but there's 12 books in there and each book is a lot of book. Yes. I mean, it's very, um, it's very thick. It's worth the read. And with Jonathan Hickman writing it, uh, Pepe Larraz did a lot of the art and I thought the art was really good and um, Me too. fit the story well. Uh, and I think the collected edition was a good way to go as opposed to issue by issue. Yeah, for Can this you kind imagine having to wait in between and like having to remember what happened month to month? Like no. I can't, I can't, there's, there's a lot going on in this book. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it, it kind of starts with the introduction of Krakoa, the mm -hmm. Island where the, the mutants are protected as a, as a Haven and what their plan is for, getting uh, recognized by the UN as a na sovereign nation. And yeah. And then it dives into these four timelines sort of well, more than that, even <laughs> well, right? it's four timelines. And then I think the timelines get reset. Um, I mean, yeah, but it's just those points in time. So I'm not sure how you refer to, cause there's X zero, which is 10 years in the past. X one is the present day. X two is a hundred years in the future. And X three is a thousand years of yeah. In the so, I guess I guess it's four timelines, but also there's like other obviously other stuff because we've got Moira McTaggart who has now been revealed to be like a who who's a mutant. She's been kind of like a yeah. I, see, this is new because we're not experts, so it is new. You yes, know that it's a new because power. I was reading on it. So she has now revealed herself to have this it, and and kind of and her character is what this whole series revolves around is her ability to reincarnate um, and, and keep her memories from her last life. But she's got a limited number according to destiny, you know, a, another precog mutant. Anyway, right. <laughs> um, there's just so much in here, but there because really of that, you know, and then, so really where the twists and turns are, are where she is on her timeline and which life she's in and that we're watching and, and it does jump around uh, a lot. It jumps around and it's but, just a super creative way to kind of reset the, I mean, these X-Men stories have been coming out for 60 years right? and they reset 
just like every comic book that's been going on for this long does. They reset stuff all the time. This was just a really amazing way to do that. Yeah. And um, I think that it really, I mean, it sets up for some really interesting directions that the universe could go like with the, um, and this gold balls thing. Yeah. The resurrection protocol where they kind of take these five lesser known characters with these weird powers yeah, and, and use them to basically, I mean, they send this X-Men team off on a mission. They accomplish what they were supposed to accomplish mostly, but they all die. And you're like, wait, they, they what? <laughs> yeah. Cause they're like the most important X-Men that yeah. you've been reading about since the beginning of X-Men. Right. But they use these other five characters to rebirth these, uh, husks. I don't know. If yeah. That's, and, yeah. That's the word. And they install Cerebro has like a copy of every mutant's life experience and they put that into these bodies. And so they're back. Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't know. That whole, that whole thing was, um, it's all nuts. It's all cool. Um, there's some, uh, like I was reading some like theories about things and, um, you know, whether the person who is pr- in professor X's body is actually professor X, you don't see his face and, uh, not really. And then he's got, you know, cerebro head, so no one can really get in. And then also they, you know, Hickman makes a point of saying this specific thing has not been researched, you know, like what happens when you put um, someone else's consciousness in a body that's not their own has no. not been researched. And that's an, kind of an inter like it's interesting whenever you mention, by the way, we haven't looked into this, you know? Yeah. So that means it's going to be important later. Right. It's a very black mirror. Yeah. It's really cool. Um, so that's also like, if you think about it, the mutant gene is in the DNA so the husk, the body, is what carries the ability, not the consciousness. So what if you put someone else's consciousness into Xavier's body? Yeah, which has happened in the past. Like there have been other storylines where Xavier Xavier's body was, was taken over by another mutant. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, the story is really amazing, I think. And um, in the future, one of the big things is these different levels of intelligence and I remember in the 90s when I started reading comic books, the phalanx was a, a thing back then. I don't know exactly when it was introduced, but the way they use it in this book and um, how they go into this whole process of ascension and, mm-hmm. uh, you know, if what is a god and how does the different level of intelligence, when does it become a god and mm-hmm. live outside of time and space? And um, they're keeping Moira McTaggart alive for a thousand years because they've found out that she resets right. the timeline when, and they wanted to be able to get to this point of ascension. It's to, really right. crazy, crazy shit. Yeah. Uh, I didn't really, uh, at first I was confused about how they kept her alive, but that's why Wolverine was in that, um, place with her. They were transfusing blood from Wolverine to her to keep her alive. Yeah. That's how you understood it. Said it right. No. <laughs> no. Okay. Um, I mean, I'm saying I just was like, I don't know how they did that, but I'm going to accept that it happened. And it, <laughs> you know, um, cause sometimes you just got to keep going. So another interesting thing is when the husks are reborn, they're using the most recent download of their brains. Right. So what if you put it and then, you know, this has been teased out there, like putting in a, a prior version. So 
they're not remembering this that maybe happened. And so one of the things I read brought in Jean Grey's character because now she's going by Marvel Girl again, which hasn't happened in a long time. And she's like the most, like the most powerful mutant, right? She's so, uh, what I, what I read called her an Omega level mutant. I've never seen that before. And I don't know what that means, but I assume that it means like, what's well, in this book. Okay. Well, I mean, I missed, the, the uh, well then I've, yeah. I've missed that, but you know, like where is she on her actual timeline of existence? Like yeah. in, in that, body and she's like wearing her old costume again which is uh, i mean i'm just not a fan of that costume yeah just for aesthetics like it's not a problematic costume it's not like yeah it's not like overtly sexy or some of the older female costumes were back in the day yeah it's just like a 60s like shirt mini skirt kind of i don't know it's just a dress dress. it's just a dress (laughs) she's wearing a dress (laughs) okay But uh, yeah, yeah her I, mask, I'm it, really looking forward to like how it how it goes forward because because the collected editions that are out there, Dawn of X is the title I think of the collected editions, but they collect like the first one after this that I'm going to get probably this week is the first issue of every X Men series title that gets spun off of this House of X Powers of X thing. So X Men Marauders, Excalibur, Fallen Angels new mutants and i'm mm-hmm. pretty sure a little bit later a new wolverine series um and i'm definitely looking forward to uh getting into those there's just so much room for experimentation on where this goes and and uh how these stories can now be told yeah and the structure of these books uh you know i we had like a, a short conversation about how neither one of us really digs when they put these paragraphs of information between the pages of the actual comic book. Yeah. Um, it feels like an interruption, but then I did get used to it. Like you said, I would. Yeah. This is just, I think for this, it's just important. There's just so much stuff. One of the things I really did like about those little um, interstitials between the comics was the, the separate timelines from. Yes. That, that was, was very, very helpful. helpful. <laughs> <laughs> Extremely helpful. Cause they do jump between her lives throughout yes. the books too. Yeah. And, without really orienting you except for that timeline. Right. Uh, that was probably the most helpful <laughs> piece <laughs> of the book. Um, but uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I've i listened to one of the podcasts, and this was like a few months ago, where the guys from The Watch with Andy Greenwald and Chris Ryan had Jason Concepcion on, and they talked a lot about X-Men and how the, how the Marvel comics paid a lot of money to have Jonathan Hickman come in and and write these stories and they theorized as, as kind of a, a jumping off point for introducing the X-Men into the MCU. I mean, they have this Krakoa, an Island that is a living thing that only one mutant can communicate with. Uh, who is it? Cypher. Is that his name? Mm-hmm. Is like a language mutant, <laughs> <laughs> but only mutants have access to this Island. And, right. you know, maybe they were just protecting themselves there. I mean, uh, one of the things that this book does dive into is kind of the very violent history of, I mean, I know that's like a huge part of the X-Men storyline in general, just the violence of humans towards mutants and as you know, people who are different, but the genocide at Genosha. Genosha. And I'm obviously very excited to see how they get the X-Men into the MCU. Yeah. I don't know. It was, I think there was so much going on in the book and so much story that they were trying to set up 
that I could have used a little bit more like X-Men going off to do X-Men things like team, like the team that right. went off to solve the problem of Nimrod kind of coming online. Right. Uh, that was, that was fun. Yes. Um, there was a lot less of that, but yeah, but I think I'll probably get that in the books going forward. I think that we do um, from what I read, but also I think we needed this story in order to set up because everything's just kind of been yeah. all a mess. Right. Yeah. It, we yeah. needed something to like, to launch us in a new direction. And so this, while this was all, you know, this was a lot of setup, but I think it was worth it. Right. Oh, for sure. So, and it's actually made me super excited to, you know, I, I love all of the terrible X-Men movies that nobody else in this family wants to watch. I like them all, even the ones that are horrible, even the new ones that are not great. I like them. I have fun watching them because watching X-Men with powers do X-Men things um is fun for me like even if this even if the movie is bad and the story is bad like i have fun watching them and this is just like reignited that for me and and i just really like it (laughs) Uh, maybe i will um pick up that book today oh okay i was like um, i'm like don't you have plans but yeah (laughs) so many plans uh we could probably wrap up there and i don't know did you have anything else i don't think so all right well uh this was fun oh. <laughs> the puppies are ready for us to be done <laughs> yeah <laughs> super ready <laughs> but uh yeah that's it and we'll come back next week it was fun it was smart we liked it